In fact, to set up, we did this last week, if you've been with us, uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 27, kind of sets up this entire series as we're talking about looking for the good, searching for the good, not just in ourselves, but in the world around us and people around us. Proverbs eleven twenty-seven says, if you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. So if you're looking for good, you're probably going to find it. If you're looking for bad, you're most definitely going to find it. Because we talked about it last week. They both exist, don't they? The good exists. The bad exists. Again, inside and outside and everywhere. Both exist. So the question that we keep asking ourselves this entire month is, what are you looking for? What are you searching for? And we're going to fall into two different categories, probably, in this, and this might be personality, this might be upbringing, this might be maybe even something that you've worked on to train yourself on. So let's, let's, let's figure out kind of where you fall. This is probably something pretty common. You kind of see where I'm going with this. You've got two jars. One is half full. One is half empty. This is our half full jar. How many of you identify as being a, a, a glass half full? Like literally, I'm asking you. Half full, online people, how many of you? Can't see your hands, just type it in the comments and let me know. <laughs> half glass full. See, the half glass full person says, it's a snow day, that means everything stops and I get to rest. The half glass full person says, we get to play in the snow. The half glass full person says, what, only one church service? That's awesome, I get to sleep in and worship God on the same day. Half glass full people just see things a little bit differently. There's our half glass full. Here's our half glass empty. How many of you are my half glass empty people? Don't be ashamed of it. Like, just embrace your pessimist side. So, and I even saw this. It was like, you know, some of you are like, I don't want to say it. And then everybody turns and looks at you. You know who you are because we know who you are. So glass half empty people, they see things a little bit differently. The glass half empty people say, snow day, the world is coming to an end. Snow day, it's cold. Snow day, it's wet. I'm miserable. Why would the Lord ever make snow? I moved to Georgia to get out of the snow. Why is it here? Right, that's glass half empty people. You see things a little bit differently. Now, I'm not going to tell you, like, right and wrong or right and wrong, but can we all agree, like, it's, it's different, right? The glass half full people see one thing. The glass half empty people see another thing. There technically is another category of people that I don't have represented here, but you're the people that see what we all see, but you say, it's full. You're delusional. <laughs> Some of you are, like, glass half full, but on steroids, so come back down to reality with us for a little bit. Glass half full, glass half empty. And we're taught that idea of, well, we have to be positive in our thinking. If you want to see good in the world, well, you need to have positive thinking. Now listen to me very carefully. I'm not opposed to that. I'm more of a glass half, half full kind of a guy. But there are times in life where you also have to be very realistic, don't you? And so you have to take a look at the other side of the perspective. So what this morning is not is just think positive. This morning is not, well, just make sure you're looking at life and looking at others and looking at yourself glass half full. Because here's the reality. They're the same, aren't they? They're the same. 
some of you that you live on this side, you're like, they're not exactly the same. <laughs> so hold your comments for the prayer card later. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> they're the same, aren't they? Whether you want to take the perspective of, oh, no, no, it's, it's glass half full, or whether you take the perspective of, no, that's glass half empty, the reality is this glass is both of those. There is a gap. There are things missing. And yes, there is water in it. So both would be correct when you're talking about the realities. And here's why that is important to come to grips with. Doesn't matter necessarily, at least in our talk this morning, which perspective you might gain. The reality is there's both water and empty space. Now, sure, which one you tend to focus on, that, again, personality, wiring, whatever it might be. But can we all agree that there's water, but there's also empty space? Here's what I think tends to happen. What I, I think happens is at some point we become pretty aware of that empty space. Now, for the glass half empty people, you're very much aware of it. Like, that's all you see. <laughs> for the glass half full people, we tend to not recognize it until we get in over our head and we say, oh, wow, this is worse than I thought. Or we get thrown into a situation that we can't handle. Maybe we were trying to be really optimistic and positive thinking about it, but the reality sets in of like, I'm, I'm not able to do this. That emptiness, that void, that being not complete, the lack of completeness leads to this idea of insecurity. We're not very confident. And I would say for all of us, regardless of what your perspective is, we all struggle with that word of insecurity. Because regardless of which perspective you have, we all can agree we're not complete. There's plenty of things, regardless of your perspective, there's plenty of things that you and I cannot do. Patrick just talked about it. There are wounds. There are scars. We do have pasts. We have a failure. We have mistakes. We have things that, man, we wish we could have changed. Things that we wish would have been differently that were outside of our control. And it leads us to a place where we become very aware of what's missing. And the answer is not, well, let's just look at all the, just look at all the good. Don't pay attention to all the bad, all the, because, again, positive thinking is helpful to a point, but that doesn't make up for what is truly missing. So I say all this to get us on the same page, regardless of your perspective, glass half full or glass half empty. Let's be realistic for a second. We all have good in our lives. We all have emptiness in our lives. And if we don't have this conversation today, at some point, today or later, that emptiness will catch up with you and you will find yourself lacking confidence. You'll find yourself acting out of insecurity. And so often our insecurity drives us away or hinders us from God's calling on our lives. Let me say that again. The insecurity, the void, the emptiness, what's missing in our lives, all the things that we would say, I'm not good at or I'm not that person, eventually the insecurity leads us to a place where it pushes us away from God's calling on our lives or it at least hinders us in following God's calling for our lives. If you've ever said the phrase, oh, I wish I would have, probably rooted somewhere in potentially insecurity or lack of confidence. Man, I wish I would have taken that job, but I just wasn't sure I could do it. Oh, man, I wish I went back to school, but 
man, I thought my ship had sailed, and I, I didn't want to get into that. I wasn't sure I could pull it off. And, man, how would I juggle work and family and school? I just, I didn't think I could do it. If you've ever said, I wish I would have, and somehow it was tied to what you can't do or who you're not or who you think you're not, that's insecurity holding you back or pushing you away from God's calling on your life. So that's what we want to talk through. Yes, if we're going to hunt for good, we need to look at the good, but we also need to figure out, this is a real issue, figure out what to do with what's missing, though. What do we do with the parts of our lives that we would say we're insecure about, we're lacking confidence in? And I want you to get a couple things in your mind, right? What is that for you? It's probably going to be different for a lot of us. What are you currently insecure with? Where do you lack confidence personally? Talking about you, not, not other people, not, not your family, not your spouse, not your kids, not the people you work with. Talking about you. Look inside your heart for a moment. Where do you lack confidence? What holds you back? What's been holding you back because of what's missing in your life? What you don't think you can do, what you don't think you can pull off. Because I'll let you know, the answer is not just be positive and have positive thinking. Right? That's a good discipline to have in some areas, but it doesn't create, it doesn't lessen that, that void. So to help us with that, how do we build confidence? How do we overcome our insecurities? Even though we're supposed to look at the good, we also have to pay attention to what's missing. So what do we do with all of that in the real world? To look at that, we're going to look at a job that God gave Moses. If you know anything about Moses, he's got quite the story, quite the history. We're going to pick up his job about halfway through Moses' story. If you've got your Bibles, head over to Exodus chapter 3. And here's what you need to know about Moses' job, the job that God specifically and intentionally called Moses to. This was a job that was way outside Moses' comfort zone. This was a job that was way outside of anything that Moses thought he could do or thought he could handle or that he was equipped for, that he was prepared for, that he was qualified for. He had every reason to think that's not a job for me. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you've had a job, whether it was a job God called you to or just a job to pay the bills where you're like, I'm walking into this and I have no business walking into this job. Maybe you get the job thinking you can do it and then halfway through you're like, there's no way I can pull this off. I learned that lesson pretty early on. I was in college, and I had to have a job while in college to just pay some bills and tuition and all those things. And so I took the first job I could get on, college, on the college campus. I was a librarian at our school. <laughs> Anybody see anything wrong with somebody like me being a librarian? <laughs> Did not work well at all. I learned very quickly. I mean, I thought... Man, I get to talk to everybody that walks in. I get to help them find their supplies. And No, that was not the job that was handed to me. It was, this was back in the days at our school where we were still using the card catalogs. So my job was to take all the books and to scan them and type in all the information so that they became digital card catalogs. Did not work for me at all. <laughs> right? You just knew. It's like, now, some of you are like, that sounds like the perfect job. We're different. There's nothing wrong with that. But you walk into something thinking, maybe I can do this, and then to find out there's no way I can do this, that's a very difficult spot to be. That's where Moses was, Moses was at, but in a much higher level. Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, here's the job God gave Moses. So now, go. Not, I'm going to keep talking with you. Not, we're going to discuss this. Not, I'm going to equip you. or any, It's just like, no, this is happening right now, Moses. 
So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. If you don't know the story, the Israelites have been slaves in Egypt. And Moses, again, a very interesting story and an interesting history as a murderer had fled Egypt, literally ran for his life, and is now living out in the desert as a shepherd, as a nobody, and God calls him to go back to Egypt, the last place he would ever want to go, to lead God's people out of Egypt. And if I'm Moses, I'm thinking, first of all, that's not the place that I should be going. Like, they want to arrest me and kill me there because of what I've done. Like, I I shouldn't be leading anybody. I'm a shepherd. I I can lead a few sheep, but you're wanting me to lead an entire nation? God, this just doesn't add up. This doesn't make sense. I'm not qualified. I can't. I, I shouldn't, even if I could. This is not a job for me. In fact, the very next verse, as soon as God says, here's the job I'm giving you, verse 11, here's Moses' first response to God. But Moses said to God, who am I? I want you to say that with me. Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? That's a great question. God says, Moses, you're it. You're going to lead these people. You're going to rescue these people. You are going to be my savior for my people to get them out of slavery out of Egypt. And Moses' first response, whoa, 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 whoa. You know who you're talking to, right? You're talking to Moses. You know my history. You know what I've done. Who am I? I'm unworthy. I'm unqualified. I have no business being called by you to do this, God. No one's going to even believe me. In fact, if you keep reading through, he starts going through. Moses goes through different scenario after different scenario. Well, well, what if I show up and, and they don't believe me? Well, what if I show up and they don't listen to me? Moses is like, I'm not a leader. I have no authority with them. I've run away from them. Who am I? I'm nothing special. Unworthy. Worthless. Have you been there? God knocks on the door of your heart and says, here's what I want you to do. And we might not be talking job or career even. Maybe it's the husband you're called to be. Maybe it's the mother you're called to be. Maybe it's the student you're called to be. Maybe it's the artist you're called to be. Maybe it's the good steward you're called to be. You put in whatever the calling is. Get outside of your head just job and career. Whatever God calls us to do in following in his footsteps and being obedient and faithful to him, so often we step back and say, oh, wait a second. God, who am I to be able to pull this off? I'm nobody. It's where that that gap gets exaggerated, doesn't it? It's where that void starts to become more obvious and apparent. We start to see more of what we are not than what God actually sees. I love God's response. Like these are quick dialogues back and forth. God says, I've got a job for you. Here's what I want you to do. Moses says, well, who am I? I'm not qualified for this whatsoever. I'm nobody special. And then God answers right back the first part of verse 12. And God said, I will be with you. I'll be with you. That's it. You're going to see a theme here as we look at this next part. But nowhere does God say, oh, no, Moses, like you got this. Glass half full, Moses. No, he doesn't talk perspective with Moses. He doesn't give any false sense of pride to Moses. 
He doesn't go through all the reasons why he called Moses. God simply and profoundly reminds Moses of what God sees that he's been missing. He says, Moses, you're worried about who you are. Stop worrying about who you are. Don't you know who I am? In fact, he even says it. He says, no, you want to you know my name? It's I am. I am is with you. I will be with you. So when we're wrestling with these insecurities, when we're wrestling with our lack of confidence for whatever reason, and we start to feel those, those emotions and we start to think those thoughts of, God, who am I? May I remind you the way that God reminded Moses. God says, I'm with you. And that's true today. We see that as a theme throughout scripture. Old Testament and New Testament, even Jesus said that. I will be with you till the very end of the age, he tells his disciples. God is with you. It's interesting that God had to remind Moses about that. When Moses is having a conversation with God, like it's a little funny, isn't it? Here Moses is talking to God Almighty, this whole burning bush moment, and God has to say, you're missing the bigger picture here. Like, I'm with you now, and I'm going to continue to be with you. When we start focusing more on what's missing, we focus on our insecurities, we start to miss that truth that God is just with us. We miss so much, we become blinded by our insecurities so often. Again, I told you the the answer to growing our confidence is not just more self-confidence, not positive thinking. It starts with this right here, that God's with us. So I can say I'm confident. I think we would see it through Moses' life that he would be confident. And I would, I would hope this would be true in your life, that I am confident because God is with me. Not because of who I am. I have no confidence in who I am. I am confident because I know who is with me. God is with me. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of that simple fact. So often we're so concerned with me and we miss who is with me. I'm confident because God is with me. Now let me turn the tables just a little bit because like I said, insecurity causes us to be blinded sometimes. So sometimes we have the job, the responsibility in our relationships with one another to help other people see that truth as well. That you can be confident, not just I can be confident because God's with me, but to turn it around and say, no, you can be confident because God is with you. You can be confident because look at what God is doing in your life. So we want to make sure that we're on both sides of that, that we're reminded of that, but we also help remind other people of that truth as well. It goes back to one of the things we, we started last week, the hunting good cards on the back side of it, it just says, you are really good at. The whole point of this exercise is to be able to get us thinking about how we can share the good and be the good in other people's lives. Because maybe it's your spouse that is just having a hard time seeing, I don't know if I can do this. And can I tell you it's your job to let God use you? To look at them in the eye and say, no, no, no. Here's what I see. Here's who you are. God is with you. If you've been around me long enough, you've heard me say this before, and it might be a little cliche and it might be a little cheesy, but it sticks and you're not going to forget it. The four most important letters in the alphabet, I see in you. Some of you are like, oh, that's clever. I didn't come up with it, but it's super helpful. I see in you. To look across the table at somebody and says, I see in you the ability to do so much good for other people. I see in you resilience. I see in you strength. I see in you hope. I see in you an incredible story of God showing his faithfulness in your life. 
So whether you use the cards or whether you use our red stools we have out in the lobby, remember my challenge for you? The entire month, these are going to be out in the lobby, and there's a table between two of them. The challenge is to simply invite someone to sit across the table from you, and you look at them in the eye, and you just say what you see. You see the good in them, and you share that good with them. And if you're not sure where to start, use those four letters, I see in you. You start there. What do you see in the person across the table from you? We talked last week how that speaks and breathes life into other people, but it also gives confidence, not false confidence. It's not the instance of you go on American Idol because your mom said you were a good singer kind of instance. <laughs> not what I'm talking about. Oh, no, you can really sing. Yeah, you're like the greatest in our family. Not what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's an amazing thing when we see what God sees. And allow God to show you what's in other people what's in their heart, and speak that truth into their life. So like I said, whether it's today, whether it's next week or the week after, at some point, invite someone to sit across the table from you, sit in one of the red chairs, and simply say, here's what I think you're great at. Here's what I see in you. Because so often we don't see it in ourselves. We need other people to see those things in us. So start there. Confidence in the midst of our insecurities are not just overcome by positive thinking, not come by false confidence, but it comes from that fact. God is with us. Now, if you keep reading through chapter three, you'll see that Moses continues to give excuse after excuse. Well, what about, or what about? And they all go back to that one question, who am I? God answers them again and again and again, and they all are answered the same way. Moses, you're missing it. I'm going to be with you. I'll take care of it. I'll be right by your side. I'm not leaving you, Moses. So be confident not in you, but be confident in me. In chapter 4, we see a different excuse that Moses gives. All the excuses Moses gives really comes under these two categories of who am I and this next one. Here in verse 10 after chapter 3, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor uh, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. In fact, the New Living Translation says a little bit differently. Listen to this. He says, the Lord said, to, or I'm sorry, uh, Moses said, pleaded with the Lord. In other words, this isn't working. This, this dialogue isn't going the way that I would expect. Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never been, and I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. So when the who am I, I'm not good enough doesn't work, then he turns the corner and says, well, I can't. Do you see what just happened there? He goes from, well, who am I? I've got a past. I've got a history. This isn't who I'm meant to be. You've got the wrong person. That doesn't work with God. And so now he takes the tactic of, well, I, like I can't. Even if I wanted to, God, I can't. Thank you for the opportunity, but I can't. I'm not good at words. I get tongue-tied. I mess it up. I'm slow at speech. And this isn't a new thing, God. I, I haven't been able to do this forever. You're asking me to do something I cannot do. And if you keep reading, he actually asked God to find somebody else. He actually says, uh, well, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Like, I can't, so send somebody else. I can't, so you're going to have to find somebody else more qualified. I can't, so find somebody that's going to do a better job than me. Once again, those insecurities start to show up, don't they? Okay, that's great that God's with me, but I, mean, I, I, I literally cannot 
do this. Now what do I do? It was interesting yesterday. I probably did something that uh, most of you did. We built a snowman yesterday. And I had this great vision of the snowman that we would build. But I'm also like, you know what? Let the kids do it. Let them have fun. So I'm out there with my three kids. And it was their idea. They said, hey, dad, let's build a snowman. I said, great. Why don't you go ahead and start? Like, let this be a you thing because I know how this is going to go. If they say, hey, let's build a snowman, what it really says is, hey, dad, will you build a snowman? Right? You know how that goes. So I said, no, why don't you guys start and let's just see how it goes and I'll help you as you go. So they tried. They were like kind of getting the snowball thing and they were getting frustrated. It's not working. I said, no, do it like this. So I went over and I helped them pack their first snowball and I got it going, just started rolling it. And then I backed away. I said, okay, now you roll it from here to the fence. Just go. And so then they start rolling the different parts. Okay, we got that one done. I said, okay, you need to do that again, but for another one. They got to be different sizes. So then they started doing that. And then they built, and they, they did an awesome job at this. Like, I was, like, half paying attention and, and half watching our youngest. And, and both my boys, they said, well, okay, we got it done, Dad. And there are these two massive snowballs on the other side where the fence is at. And I'm like, you guys did a really good job. <laughs> I have no idea how we're going to, like, make this actually work. So then they started to get a little discouraged. They're like, well, how are we going to, like, put them on top of each other? And in my head, I'm thinking, that's a great question. <laughs> I said, okay, so now I had to insert myself. Like, it truly went beyond their capabilities. They fit, like, these things were bigger than they were. They physically could not do it. So they worked with me, and we rolled them over. They worked with me. We had to shave off some parts because even I wasn't going to be able to do it. And so they worked with me, and we got this thing built. Check this thing out. It's the epic, <laughs> epic snowman. By the time this sermon is done, that's going to be like a 10-foot snowman realistically it's probably six and a half or so feet but I mean it was huge but what was interesting was how it started and it got to a point where they physically couldn't but my answer to them was well don't quit like let's figure this out let me help you when you physically cannot do it any longer let me jump in and help and do what you most definitely could never lift so here was God's answer Moses said, God, there's no way I can do this. I cannot speak good. That's probably what he said. <laughs> Some of you got that. Here's God's answer to him. Verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, regarding his insecurity of what he cannot do, what he did not think he could do, God said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Verse 12, now go. Goes back to the beginning part of the job. Just go. We're going to do this. Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Moses brings up a very real insecurity of something he cannot do. Once again, notice what God doesn't do. God doesn't talk to Moses and say, oh, no, you're, you're not that bad. No, I'm sure, like, you know, let's just keep working. It takes practice. I bet you'll get there. God doesn't say, well, let me give you some tips on public speaking. God says, you're forgetting who I am once again. Who made your mouth? Who decides who speaks and who doesn't? It's me, right, Moses? So let's go. What were the words? I will, what was it? Help? Let's read it again. You didn't catch it. Is it not I, the Lord said? 
Now go, I will help you. I will help you speak and teach you what to say. He helps. So yeah, those insecurities are very real. God doesn't go back and, and positively and wishful thinking away his insecurity or his lack of ability. There are things that we are not capable in doing, but please hear this. Just because Moses wasn't capable didn't mean God wasn't going to use him. It didn't get Moses off the hook, and it doesn't get us off the hook either. What's God calling you to? If you're like me, our first excuse is, no, no, I mean, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the scars and the wounds and my, my history, my mistakes, my failures. I, that's not me. I can't, I shouldn't do this, God. To the point of, well, I can't do this, God. And here's a bunch of reasons why. I'm not good at that. I mean, I'm not even capable there. I, I don't have the resources to do that. I just can't. Instead of giving into that insecurity, here's the second part. I'm confident because God helps me. I'm confident first because God's with me, and I continue to be confident because he helps me. The things that I can't do, he jumps in and helps. The parts that I can't do, the part of the snowman I can't put up, God steps in and says, let me help you with that part. I'll be with you every step of the way, and I'm going to help you with what you can't lift, with what you can't do, with what you can't say, I will help you. We all have insecurities. We all have limitations. Positive thinking doesn't make those disappear. But, oh, please, don't allow the insecurities to keep you from where God is leading you either because he's with you and he's going to help you. So here's a question for you. What is God calling you to that your insecurity is keeping you from? What is God calling you to that your insecurities, your self-doubt, your lack of abilities is keeping you from. And like I said, please don't just think in the terms of career and job, what you get paid to do. That might be it, but that might not be it. Who is God calling you to be that your insecurities are keeping you from? Where is God calling you to go that your insecurities are keeping you from? You see where we're getting at with this? What is God calling you to that your insecurities are keeping you from. Once again, in both of these categories of excuses, who am I or I can't, God simply turns something around for Moses in both instances. Moses was so focused on what he could not do and who he was, he was missing who God was and what God could do. So yes, regardless of your perspective, glass half full, glass half empty, we recognize that there are voids and gaps we recognize the good and the bad, but God's the one that fills in the gap. God says, let's not focus on just the you on this, focus on me. So next time you start to think, well, I can't or I'm not, can you turn it around and say, no, but God can and God is. That's exactly what he did with Moses. Every time he said, I'm not, he said, well, I am. Every time Moses said, I can't, God said, well, I can and Moses' confidence wasn't in himself, it was in God. So what I would tell you, in the midst of your insecurities, here's how you look for good. Well, you got to look to God, because we know that we have both. So the source of good is always from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, James tells us. See, the answer to your insecurity is not just more self-esteem and more self-confidence. The answer to your insecurity is confidence in God. 
It's not just trying to build yourself up. It's putting more confidence in God. Instead of more focus on yourself, it's putting more focus on God. Instead of paying more attention to all of your gaps and all of the things that you're missing, or I'm good at this part but not this part, great, be aware of those things. Self-awareness is great, but don't miss the most important thing of seeing who God is and what God can do in and through your life. It's not just trying to me fill this gap. They're saying, God, I can't, and I'm not. I'll be the first to admit that, but God, I know you are and you can. You know what that pushes us to? This is important in your Christian faith. That pushes us to rely on God more than ourselves. That's a good place to be. If you have all the confidence in the world that you can and you are, why do you need a savior? I'm desperate for a savior because I can't and I'm not. I'm totally okay with that. If you get to a place where you are completely dependent and reliant on God, it's a wonderful place to be. Don't let your insecurities keep you from getting there. Remember what I told you when we first started? Because God's not done with you yet. We have a lot of gaps. We have a lot of mistakes. We have a lot of failures in our life. That doesn't mean we can't be confident. Philippians 1 verse 6 tells us this, Paul's words, that I hope you would make your own. Paul says, being confident of this. In other words, what I'm about to tell you is why I'm confident. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in us, in you and in me, he will carry it on to completion till the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, you're not there yet. I'm not there yet. We still have a lot of gaps and misses in our life. But what I'm confident in is God's not done with me yet. What I'm confident in is he's not done with you yet. He's still working in your life. He is still with you. He still helps you. Romans 8 tells us that God is for us. He desires to be with you. So go back to where your insecurities lie. What are you insecure of and insecure with? Flip it around. I can't, but God can. I'm not, but God is. You want to look for the good, start by putting more confidence in God than confidence in yourself. Does that eliminate the insecurities? Yeah. Doesn't mean I can, I can and I am, but it means he helps me. And it means he is with me. So what do you now have confidence in? We're going to have those insecurities. We're not going to overcome all of them. That would be glass half full people. <laughs> glass half empty people. I'm always going to have insecurities. The reality is somewhere in the middle. But what can you be confident in? Because I'll tell you, me personally, I'm confident in God's faithfulness. I'm confident that God's not done with me. I'm confident in his love. I'm confident in his grace. I'm confident that he is with me. I'm confident that he does help me. I'm confident that he knows what's best for me. I'm confident that he is leading me today. I'm confident that he's good. And he wants good for me as well. Might not feel like that all the time. But my confidence is in him, not me. My confidence is in what he can do, not what I can't. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the, the truth we get from you. May we never miss who you are and what you can do in our lives. 
It's easy to hold more onto the insecurities we have than the confidence that you give us. So as we look for good, may it be more than just positive thinking. As we hunt for good, may it be more than just wishful thinking. As we hunt for good, may we start at the source of good, which is you. May we see that you are good and you are with me. That you help me. That you are for me. That you are not done with me yet. God, overcome our insecurities with confidence in you, not ourselves. May we not forget who you are and what you can do. In Jesus' name.